Morning Press, a BrainIron.com production. Here's 11 minutes or so of news for today, Wednesday, January 10th, 2024. As Taiwan prepares for national elections on Saturday, January 13th, China continues an array of influence operations that seeks to convince voters to choose a president and parliament that would lean away from independence and, eventually, towards accepting what it believes is the inevitability of unification with mainland China. The Democratic Progressive Party, or DPP, has maintained the presidency and control of parliament since elections in 2016, when it defeated the Kuomintang, or KMT, party, and has a slight edge in national polls headed into this weekend's election. The Kuomintang party retreated to Taiwan in 1949, following defeat in the Chinese Civil War at the hands of Mao Zedong's Communist Party, where they governed the island and claimed to rule the whole Republic of China. They maintained dominant authoritarian power through the year 2000, following success in the country's first democratic-ish elections in 1996, and long saw reunification with the mainland under eventual KMT control as inevitable. In 1992, the KMT reached a new nominal consensus with the CCP, endorsing a one-China policy that solidified a contradictory understanding of the relationship between the island and the mainland. Specifically, that both would exist independently as one China, while the CCP interpreted that the agreement affirmed their own ultimate authority over the island. The KMT party maintains its identitarian roots with China, downplaying notions of a distinct Taiwanese identity, and is the more culturally and politically conservative option. The DPP, on the other hand, can be understood as the least China-friendly of the available options, with its lean towards a Taiwanese identity distinct from China, more multiculturally oriented and socially and politically liberal, and interested in establishing independent relationships with international partners, while leaning away from Chinese influence and control. The third party in the presidential race, the Taiwan People's Party, has cooperated with both of the other parties in the past and favors a maintenance of the status quo when it comes to China, seeking to increase the cost, both politically and militarily, of Chinese attempts at reunification, while not agitating for further independence, which they see as both too provocative and impractical. China's influence operation on the election has taken many forms, including displays of military might, free trips and gifts for Taiwanese politicians, and the promotion of fake news. China's opposition to the DPP and any notion of Taiwan's independence is no secret. It has cut off all official engagement with the government of Taiwan since the election in 2016 and released a statement on Wednesday reiterating that it would, quote, never compromise or yield on the Taiwan issue, end quote, following a military dialogue between the U.S. and China that took place in Washington, D.C., Ultimately, Taiwan's strange status quo of being both a country and not a country will endure for the foreseeable future, barring dramatic, violent Chinese intervention, with democratically elected rulers who, no matter the party that wins, will continue to embrace the so-called strategic ambiguity that allows the not-quite-a-nation to go on prospering as it has. 
pushing too far towards independence or a more formal unification with China may destroy the fragile peace that has more or less worked for a people who have spent the last few generations creating an identity for themselves. Elections in Taiwan this Saturday kick off a year of important elections all over the globe, from the U.S. to the U.K. to India to Russia. More than half the global population lives in countries holding national elections this year. None may be more impactful on the future of the global order than Taiwan's. U.S. and U.K. naval forces shot down another barrage of missiles and drones launched by the Houthis out of Yemen over the Red Sea on Wednesday. The attack comes after a stark warning from the U.S. and allies that further attempts to disrupt shipping in the Red Sea would result in consequences for the rebel group. And shortly before an expected vote of the United Nations Security Council to condemn the ongoing Houthi attacks, all of which indicates that a retaliatory attack by the U.S. and its allies against Houthi positions in Yemen seems increasingly likely. Violence in the country could conceivably disturb the ceasefire that has held for months between the Iran-backed Houthis and the Saudi-backed ousted Yemeni government. But given just how much global trade passes through that narrow stretch of sea, it is unlikely that the Houthis will not face reprisals if they continue their campaign of attacks, no matter what it means for the current truce. In brief domestic politics news, U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, who was out of touch with the Pentagon and the White House for four days last week, was revealed to have been being treated for prostate cancer and a urinary tract infection while at Walter Reed. His unexplained absence has led to calls for his removal, which the Biden administration has so far rejected. Colorado Congresswoman Lauren Boebert's ex-husband, Jason Boebert, was arrested on charges of misdemeanor assault following a confrontation between the pair in a restaurant last Saturday. Ms. Boebert said the run-in with her ex is an example of one of the many reasons, reasons that also include Barbara Streisand and Ryan Reynolds, that she is changing what district she hopes to be elected to represent in November. She was first elected to represent Colorado's third in 2020 and, after winning re-election in 2022 by just a few hundred votes, has announced that she will seek to earn the right to represent Colorado's fourth this November. Jason Bobert, the ex-husband, spells his name with a Y in the middle of it. And finally, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley will participate in a head-to-head debate on CNN on Wednesday night, the last such event before the Iowa caucus next Monday. Former President Donald Trump also met the qualifications for the debate, which were set by CNN after the RNC decided to stop bothering with such details, but will not attend. Trump, fresh off an appearance in a D.C. courtroom where his attorneys argued that the president would be immune from prosecution, even if he ordered a political rival assassinated by a special forces unit, unless he was subsequently impeached and removed from office, will be in Iowa at a town hall event hosted by Fox News, airing at the same time. On this date in history, January 10, 1776, Thomas Paine's clarion call for independence from Great Britain was first published. Called Common Sense, the 47-page propagandistic and impassioned pamphlet was an immediate sensation, which some estimate sold over 100,000 copies in the first few months. 
Payne, the country's founding blogger and podcaster, offered no counterarguments to his sermonic tirade, cited no sources, and helped inspire a nascent revolution, a radical case for total American independence that had not previously been given wide consideration. Full disclosure, though opinions vary widely, it is the editorial position of the morning press that the founding of the United States through bloody revolution, while violent and unpleasant, was, on balance, good. Also on this date, in 1861, Florida became the third state to secede from the Union, no doubt prompting many right-thinking U.S. patriots of the time to say, All right. Also on this date in 1981, Joe Montana completed a six-yard touchdown pass to Dwight Clark to complete the San Francisco 49ers comeback against the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC Championship game, which the Niners won 28-27. The play, dubbed The Catch, has stood the test of time as one of the most legendary plays in the history of football, reenacted in backyards and playgrounds for generations, as no shortage of football fans delighted in putting the first nail through the heart of the Cowboys' lengthy dynasty over and over again. Now, here's a look at the weather. If I were a former president of the United States, currently running to become the president again, I'm not sure I'd be happy with my lawyers arguing in court that the current president could, theoretically, officially order my assassination and be totally immune from criminal prosecution. As Thomas Paine wrote in Common Sense, after all, quote, the more men have to lose, the less willing are they to venture. End quote. The converse holds, with Biden's job approval sitting at 40% as it has for much of his presidency. What's he got to lose? Venture forth, SEAL Team 6. That's the weather from here. How's it look out your window? The Morning Press is a production of the BrainIron.com multinational media empire. Please direct comments and complaints to BrainIronPodcast at gmail.com. For a transcript of today's episode and links to the stories referenced, find The Morning Press at BrainIron.substack.com, where, if you would like to support this and the other podcasting and blogging endeavors of the BrainIron.com media empire, you can also become a paying subscriber. If you can think of anyone else who might enjoy what we're up to around here, please consider sharing. Thanks, and barring the sudden onset of the inevitable, we'll talk to you tomorrow. The proceeding was created with 100% human content. <laughs>